This morning, what I want to talk to you about, I gave you a little clue there just for a moment or two. I'm trying to get situated, a little different way we got set up here, <clears throat> that we're going to talk about recalibration. And I just want to say again, the fact that so many people came up and worshiped and celebrated and praised before God and stepped on the devil's head a little bit this morning, that shows me that we're on the other side, that we're moving quickly past what the world will stay in for a while. <laughs> but you're in the world, but what? Not of the world, aren't you? So today, as we wrap up recalibration, and I'll be kicking a new series off next week, but as we wrap up recalibration, how to recalibrate our lives, sometimes that requires a messy miracle. I said sometimes, not just a miracle. You know, there's cute miracles and sweet miracles, and, you know, God moves in mysterious ways and many ways, Right? He moves through the word of knowledge and word of wisdom and discerning of spirits. He moves through the gifts of healings and the gift of revelation and prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. He moves through uh, miracles, signs, and wonders. He moves through the gifts of faith, all nine gifts. He moves through you to receive your healing from Isaiah 53, that by his stripes you were healed. What? 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. But Isaiah 53 explains that more because he bore your suffering, your grief, your sorrow, your sickness, your disease, your brokenness. He bore it on the cross through receiving the cat, the stripes from the cat, the 39 stripes from the cat of nine tails. He took on your pain. He took on your suffering. He took on your anxiety. He took on your fear. He took on your hopelessness. He took on your sin, your addiction. He took it all on him there. And it's time for the church to honor the cross but move on out in beyond the book of Acts to what God called us to do. Now, I'll be preaching coming into June 13th. Anybody know what June 13th is? Anybody know what June 13th is? It's Make a Difference Day, right? And we're going to go where the whole church is meeting here. We've got several projects, and we're going to be praying over those projects and here on the property, and we, you and your friends, your family, your cousins and your uncles, if you want to bring them, Bring all you can. We're going to go out and serve our community. Why? Because we are to make a difference, what? Every day and every way. And if I'm going to ask you to make a difference, then we need to sow. That's what we're really doing, Pastor Bill. We're sowing an entire day of service of our own worship in this house into our community. And I believe God's going to give back a hundredfold blessing. Does anyone else believe that this morning? So you say, well, Pastor, how can a miracle emerge out of a mess to make something new? How can a miracle emerge out of a mess and make something new? And what I want you to really think to yourself, and I want you to say this with me in a moment, open your eyes to the new. On the count of three, I want you to say it three times real fast, open your eyes to the new, and I want you to say it like you mean it. One, two, three. That's for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now say it one time real loud for me. So it's time to stop looking back. It's time to look forward. It's time to stop asking God to recalibrate, to restore. It's time to ask God for something new that we've never had and that we've never experienced. He is a God of not, not of imitation, right, or duplication. 
He is the God of creation. And whatever he thinks in his mind and he speaks out of his mouth shall come to pass. Isaiah 55 says that I look to and fro the world to perform the word that it will, the word that I sent will perform that for which I sent it. Previously in that chapter, he says, you don't think like me. As the heavens are higher than you, so are my thoughts higher than you. But right in between sandwich there in Isaiah 55, between him saying my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my ways are higher than your ways, then he starts talking about the rain pouring down and outpouring of rain on the earth. That represents the glory of God, the presence of God. Then he goes into the, I will perform the word for which I sent it to do. It will, for the word which I sent it to do, it will perform the thing I sent it to do. So I believe we're in that performance stage. I believe we're in the, moving into the glory stage. Does anybody believe that with me today? I said, does anybody believe that with me today? So as we look at this, go to John chapter 9. We're going to look at a messy miracle. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. I'll be reading today out of the NIV, so join me with whatever translation you have. It says, as he, Jesus, went along. See, David Hager is going to write a book on this someday. Now, if you don't write it, David, I'm going to have to write it before you. What Jesus did along the way. Because he did so many amazing miracles along the way before he arrived at a destination that he was supposed to minister in or to change a city. There were so many amazing things and miracles along the way. And this was one of those along the way miracles. And by the way, Pastor Bill, Mark, or someone can talk about it. He's getting ready to launch his brand new book coming out. When's it coming out? June. We're holding you to it. So June, right? <laughs> Mark is co-authoring it with him, helping him with it. And, and it's going to be spectacular. I've got to read quite a bit of it already. And I, I, it's going to be amazing. So as he went along, he, Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. Everybody say blind from birth. That means he never had his sight. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that was born blind, because that was their belief. If you had some type of sickness, born with sickness or whatever, what, you were, there was sin in the camp of your parents. Verse 3, Jesus said this. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Ooh, man. Now, he's not saying God put it on him. What he's saying is, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, right? And man is born uh, basically dead in spirit, right? And, and we're afflicted with sin and the fall of this world. But the fact that this man was born was the reason Jesus came to this planet. Oh, you just missed that big one right there. He said, I didn't come for those who have no need of a physician. I'm the great physician. I came for those. Anybody need a physician in the house this morning? So he said, that's basically why I came, is I am the physician, and I'm going to demonstrate God's glory, that his glory not only saves, but it heals and sets people free. Can anyone say amen with me this morning? Verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. I must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, 
He spit on the ground. <laughs> Told you it's going to be a messy miracle. Made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Verse 7. Then he said to the man, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Now think about that. Whenever you're walking along with your mess, with a miracle working in your life, you're still sent. <laughs> Come on now. Say, I am sent. I am sent. Say this. I am sent to make a difference every day in every way for my Savior. Give Jesus a big shout this morning. So the man went and washed and came home what? Seeing. So as we look at this, what he's really saying is, <clears throat> open your eyes to what you have never seen before. And that's what this message is all about today. Open your eyes to what you have never seen before. Why? Because this man was born blind. He never had sight. Unlike the woman with the issue of blood, unlike the woman with the issue of blood, he gave her back her health. Unlike the, the man by the pool of Bethesda that was crippled 38 years, he gave him back his limbs and his movement and his legs. Unlike his friend Lazarus who was dead, he gave him back his life. But this man is going to get something greater than all of that. He's going to get something new that he never had. Ooh. And there's an anointing on that. So there's a difference between God gives you so I'm reading a little more because I just put this together last night, this morning. There, but it's God, right? Say it's God. There's a difference between God giving you something you've never had versus giving you something you had in the first place. That's what? Restoration. That's restorative miracles or restoring. But our God is not only a God that restores and puts back and makes whole. He is a God that creates and burst and makes brand new. Woo. So what did he say? He's the God of Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I do a new thing. Do you not see it? He's the God of a new thing. Say, he's the God of a new thing. Some of you allocate all your time to asking to God to give you something back you already lost. Asking God to recalibrate and help me out and restore to me back what the devil has taken. Restore seven times seven. But let me tell you something. There's something even better than seven times seven. It's something brand new you never had before, and you don't even need what you need to restore seven times seven because God's glory is getting ready to come down on you. Say, I receive it, Lord. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to what I had. I don't want to step back to where I used to be. I want to go into the new level of glory. I want to go into the new level of presence. I want to go into a new level of faith. I want to go into a new level of hope. I want to go into a new level of love. I want to go into a new level of forgiveness. I want to go into a new level of gratitude. I want to go into a new level of the power of God and demonstrating his salvation and his miracles and his salvation. Anybody want to go with me? I said, does anybody want to go with me? You that are at home this morning need to get up and dance around your living room a little bit. If you're in bed, 
Start jumping on your bed and say, yes, Jesus. You missed a great, great time of worship here this morning, just say, But we love you. Amen. We miss you. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves coming out of this global pandemic. And we know it's a, been a treacherous event, right? But are we ready to see what we've never seen before? Some of you are saying, well, Pastor D, there was some good stuff in the past, right? Like the outpouring of Azusa Street. And, 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 but when I ask you, are we ready to see some, are we ready to see something greater than Azusa Street? Or the outpouring of the Jesus movement? I want to ask you, are you ready to see something that's even greater, that's awesome as the Jesus movement was, greater than the Jesus movement? Say, well, Pastor, what about the charismatic renewal when Catholics and Lutherans were filled with the Holy Spirit and operating in gifts and power? Are you ready to see something greater than the charismatic renewal this morning? So as we look at this, it's time for you and I to get ready for what's next. It's time for you and I to get ready for something that's brand new. You say, well, pastor, are you living in denial? Look at all the events that's happened over this past year. I get it. I'm not living in denial. But I know we've seen many ruins throughout this time over and over the last year. We've seen the pandemic is what? Taking over 500,000 lives in our nation. We've seen the rules of racial and social unrest, destroying families, dividing communities, and fragmenting uh, the church. We've seen the ruins of political unrest where the donkey and the elephant temporarily succeeding in dividing the lamb. You want me to say that again? We just come through a time where we have seen what? Political unrest where the donkey and the elephant temporarily divided what belongs to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We have seen the ruins of cancel culture that insists on silencing that every, silencing everyone and everything that doesn't toe the line and refuses to toe the line of a morally realistic, I can't even say that word, ideological worldview. We've seen the ruins of secular totalitarianism stated when a casino and liquor store is essential to be open, but the church is not. In other words, what are we saying? Jack Daniels is God instead of Jesus. We've seen the ruin of our young people where they, they now they're supposed to choose their gender. And I'm not getting on a soapbox. I'm not sitting up here blasting a bunch of stuff. I'm just telling you what's going on in our nation. Now, I know some good things come out of this. I know that there's more focus on how to get our nation healthy concerning race and healthy concerning, you know, our police forces and all. That's good. There's good stuff that come out of it. But I like to have it the better way. I like to have it through the glory of God. How about you? So we've experienced that. That lets us know where we're at. What can we do with the glory of God? What can we do with, with, with men and women like you that are full of the Holy Spirit to change our community, to change everything going on in our nation? It doesn't start out there, people. It starts in here. So I'm not downplaying how tragic 
and, and the kind of ruins that this last year and a half have brought to us. But for us to see what we have never seen before, for us to see what we've never be, seen before, behooves us to reconcile our eschatology with our missiology. A lot of people through eschatology, they explain Jesus and his second coming away. And they push it out or they operate in fear that it could come. But what we need to know, he is coming again. Does anyone believe that? He is coming again. But he's not coming for a wimpy church. He's not coming for a weak church. He's not coming for a ruined church. He's not coming for a sick church. He's not coming for an unforgiveness church. He's not coming for a divided church. He's not just coming for a white church, a black church, an Asian church, you know, a Hispanic church. He's coming back for us, the church, which is all of us together, one in Christ and the hope of his glory. While the church is waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for the church to rise up. I said, while the church is waiting for Jesus to come down and restore and fix and patch up, he said, rise up, mighty man of God. Rise up, mighty woman of God. Rise up, my beautiful bride, the church. I just preached to myself then. Because I am. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Let me tell you what I see in the spirit. I see the church declaring prophetically and articulating prophetically the next thing, the new things of God to display his glory. Not to declare 20, COVID 2021, 2022, and 2023, but declaring a new thing in God with his manifested presence, showing him alive and well, saving, healing, and delivering all that will get under that glory. I'm believing that the next thing to fill this nation is an outpouring of the Spirit of God that would make the Jesus movement look like the dress rehearsal. That make Azusa, Azusa Street look like just the opening act. Now, that, now, that's not hype. Just in recent weeks, the Gallup poll, it's interesting how they do their poll, right? They gallop through it, I guess. But here's what they say. The Gallup poll reported that less than 48% of Americans now attend church after COVID. That's the lowest amount since they've been tracking since World War II, World, right at the end of World War II was the highest, 76% of Americans attended church right after World War II, and it slowly went down. But here's what, here's what blows me away. They did another survey that goes off the derivatives and all that survey and, and, and interviewed other people, and here's what they came up with. They're saying now not only is the church less than half the people going to church, according to them, they're saying that 30% of or one-third of previous church growers that went to church, attended church before COVID, will never, ever, ever come back to church. I don't know about you, but I think when the devil's moving his lips, it's a lie. Does anybody else believe me? Say, not in my church. Say, not in my church. Say, not my family. Not my neighborhood. Not my city. 
Not my nation. Oh, no, devil. We're getting a hundredfold return. Anybody believe it? If you believe in a hundredfold return, give Jesus a shout this morning. That's my opening. Point one. Open your eyes to what you've never seen before. Anybody want point two? Well, that's about 20% of you. Maybe the Gallup poll's kind of right. Let's see. But anyway, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I know they're not right. So whenever we look at this, what Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, no, says, no, no, I says, I have seen, uh, says, no, I has seen or ear has heard what the heart of God has prepared for those who love him. Anybody love God? So if we haven't heard, seen or heard what God has prepared for us, that means we get something new that we've never had before. Mm. <laughs> so here's point two. Open your eyes to the Spirit of God. Open your eyes to God's Spirit. Down there in verse 5, what did it say? He spat on the ground and he made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Now, you know, that's kind of an unorthodox way of doing it. That's not the methodology we would imagine doing it, right? To do it in that manner. But here, it's the same God of the process. It's the same God of the outcome. Jesus did it multiple ways. Just like you see me and other men and women of God heal people in multiple ways. Sometimes it's through the word. Sometimes it's through pouring water on somebody. Sometimes it's through laying hands on somebody. I don't know. But there's all kinds of ways. Remember, the children of Israel knew God, but Moses knew God's ways. So, Michael, my faithful volunteer, my Vanna White, come on up here, Michael White. Come on up here. He's going to be a good sport. Anybody's going to let me spit in something and rub it on their face as a good sport this morning? Do you believe that? Say, thank you, Michael. Say, I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> Sometimes being an armor bearer is not a plus, right? <laughs> so you can just stand behind the table facing the audience. Now here in a moment, I'm going to put that on, Michael, but I want to say this first. Jesus didn't just figuratively or metaphorically speaking heal the man or talk about an illustration of spitting on the ground and making mud out of it and rubbed it on his face. No, no, no. Jesus literally transferred his own DNA and placed it on the blind man. Now think about that. He spit on the ground. He grabbed dirt, spit on it. Had to spit a lot to get that pretty muddy. I mean, he's Jesus, but he was still human, right? And rubbed that on the man's face. So everybody say, are you ready, Michael? Oh, this has got like, this must have instructions with it. Man, Jesus didn't have this fancy stuff, right? Yeah, man. You ready for something new? 
Yeah, if you're going to get something new, you got to get something messy first, right? Just so happens you're not like the man in Mark where he spat in his eyes, right? The blind man, he spat in the guy's eyes in Mark. Get this. He spat in his eyes. Why? Because that man just needed to be restored. He had already seen before he was blind. But now what's he doing? He's taking us back to the beginning. He's taking us back to the original design in Genesis, right? Genesis 2, where God, what, hewned man out of the dust of the earth and made him, what, out of leg, red clay, and he breathed Zoe, God-like life in him. So Jesus says, this miracle is going to take a little more than just my spittle. <laughs> I'm going to have to combine it with the original plan and design my father made him with in the first place. Oh, come on. But what that means to you and I is this, right? There's something higher than just restoration. Restoration is important, but it's not the in all be all. It's not the optimum, right? You see, Jesus knew this man needed something he never had before, but he couldn't get it without receiving the deliberate, uh, the original design and plan and blueprint that God created humanity with. Woo, now that's good. Good preaching there, wasn't it, Michael? Yeah, I don't know. This is kind of pasted, brother. But, you know. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Say, are you ready, Michael? Okay, close your eyes. You'll, you'll want them closed. I'm not done yet. I've got more coming your way, brother. Ooh. Yeah, you're not going to want to open those eyes until you go wash it off. Yeah, man, does that look good on the camera? I need to do more. I like this. I should let Jennifer come up here and do this. She she like, she made you too pretty, though, you know? Yeah. I, I bet with Jesus it was kind of clumpy, messy. He was, he was, I'm sure Jesus was, you know, not OCD. That's not of God, right? Gotta get over to my eyebrows, brother. It don't count. Amen. Here, I'll wash mine off of this. I'll save that big bow for you because you deserve it, being a good sport. Say, thank you, Michael, for being a trooper. <laughs> Let's talk about this for a minute, and then I'm going to pray for you. So as we look at this, Jesus wasn't what? Talking about something figuratively, right? He was talking about what? Something new. Jesus said, with my DNA, you're going to see where you couldn't see before. When you apply God's DNA to your life and your situation, you're going to hear and see things you've never heard and saw or saw before. When you apply his DNA to your situation, your business, your family, your ministry, your health, you're going to move into a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. So when Jesus died over 2,000 years ago and then ascended to the right hand of the Father, he transferred something more than his spittle. You see, this was before Jesus died and ascended. He took them back to the original plan. 
But since he ascended and is at the right hand of the Father, what did he do? He handed us off the parakletos, the one called alongside us, his Holy Spirit. So Jesus didn't just release his spittle on the crowd to make salvation available. He died and rose again because he had to sow his very DNA into humanity. You know, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the what? The same spirit living inside you, the same spirit on you, the same spirit living in you. Romans 8, 11, Acts 1, 8. Jesus said, you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's talking about dunamis power in the Greek language. It has two meanings, right? One is to break up, to explode, to annihilate, similar to a huge stick of dynamite or nitroglycerin wood to a small rock to totally annihilate and, and, and dismantle to where something doesn't even exist. It's so wiped out. The other part of that word is where we get the word dynamo or dynamic, and a dynamo is a thing, it's a dynamic we use like whatever you take a lake or a river and the water and it goes through the process and the system and through the dynamics and the pressure and the power, it can even produce electricity. Hmm. A dynamo can also be a thing with a big D11 bulldozer that is the, 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 the blade on the front lays more than two cars that's sitting out there on the front. And what's it do? If you have this little one-inch line that has a little bit of hydraulic fluid going through it, when you put do the process and the pressure, each side of that bulldozer, it can lift up something heavier than two automobiles, a little one-inch line. But you break one of those lines or you run out of the fluid or the spirit that operates, supposed to operate in the middle of that process, it won't raise anything. So Jesus said, go wait and tarry what? Except for when my spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power to annihilate like nitroglycerin or dynamite, anything in your path. You will have power like a dynamo to transfer power from hydraulic fluid to the muscle to lift a blade, from water and steam to electricity. Think about that. You'll have power to create and release something you've never had before. Let me tell you something. Let me get on my soapbox. The most powerful people in this world are not the rich and famous. The most powerful people in this world, they're, they're not the ones that has the most followers on social media. The most powerful people in this world is not the founder of Google or Facebook, I mean, book, and, or any of those. Twitter, any of that stuff. The people with the greatest power on this planet are people like you and me filled with the glory and the presence of the Holy Ghost of God. Say, I am more powerful than social media. I am more powerful. No weapon formed against you can prosper. No man, no legislator, no legislative agenda, no party, elephant, donkey, or whatever they produce is more powerful than little old you with the glory of God in your life. If you believe that, give God a shout. 
Ephesians 5.18, the apostle Paul said, be, everybody say be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I feel one of those seasons that we're going to start getting, I'm going to start preaching on the fire of God again. Get some people rebaptized and baptized anew in the Holy Ghost. That's kind of in my spirit last night. It's coming soon to a church near you. Amen. No one or no thing, and certainly no devil or his little imps, has the power to stop the Holy Spirit. Nothing or no one has the power to stop the Holy Spirit. See, I love the process, because I'm on this end, not that end. But I love the process where Jesus, what? Where did, where did Jesus spit first? And I talked to you about it, spit in the dirt, didn't he, the ground. And I told you why that's so important. He went back to the original design, the original plan of God, how he created us. In other words, in God's original plan, what should be happening is no generational curses, no addicted children, parents or family members, brothers, cousins, sisters, or others, right? No defeat, no possession, no anxiety, no fear, no racism, no bitterness, no hatred. From the original design of God is his glory, is his presence, is his power. Anybody want the original design of God? You know why? You say, well, isn't that what we had? No, we've never experienced it. It's available. And you and I are work in progress. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we see in part and know in part, but in that day where we're in his presence, we will see all. But man, what if a man or a woman could get 10% of what the original plan was? Mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> If you want a messy miracle, something you can't, a miracle is something you can't get any other way. Then you have to give Jesus access to your dirt. Uh-huh. I said, if you want a messy miracle, you got to give Jesus access to your dirt. Not your neighbor's dirt. Not your friends and cousins and all that. No, your dirt. You want a messy miracle from Jesus. His glory is not going to hang out in a mess. He'll bless you. He'll be near you. He'll be by you. But, and, and he won't leave you or forsake you. But if you want that glory to manifest on your behalf, to do the plan of God in your life, to make you the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, that what's happening inside you is greater than what's happening to you or around you, you've got to give Jesus your dirt. We are saved by faith through grace. And we know that Jesus, what? is the free gift given to us that we didn't deserve. Romans chapter 5 said the first Adam came, right? And he the first Adam was given to us, given to us by God, right? But the second Adam came. The law was given, first Adam was created, but then after the fall, then when Moses came and established the law, which is supposed to be the tutor of how things should be, what happened? That he was given the Ten Commandments, and he gave them to us. But the Bible says in Romans 5, the second Adam came. 
the first, yeah, the second Adam came, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and through him we are reconciled or brought back into. We can be saved through his name and no other name. Do you believe that this morning? I said, do you believe that this morning? <laughs> so what's interesting, if I want to walk in the bless, I got to give Jesus my mess. Well, I don't know why I'm not living in the blessing. I don't know why I'm not living in the favor. It's a choice. You're the sum total of every decision you've made to this point in your life. Now, Jesus doesn't want you to look back over your failures and your old life and the old you. No, no, no. He wants you to walk into the new you. 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, what? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So what I want you to realize, anybody ready for some new things? How about if your marriage became new? <laughs> How about if the relationship with your children became new? How about if you got new health? How about a new car, a new house, a new job, a new business, a new career, new friends? A new life. Better than the life you had before. But it happens when you give Jesus your mess. He can release his blessing on your life in the fullness. It's there. It's there for the taking but we got to make decisions. It comes to the point when it's more important who is saying something to you, what is being said to you, rather than who is talking about you. I said it's more important what has been said to you than who is saying it to you, than who, who talks about you. So in other words, what God has put in you it's more important than what people are talking about you about. Now, 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 here, right before we pray, I want you to get this. I'm going to take a drink of water. Michael's probably like, hurry up. Please don't. Jennifer said, keep me 15 more minutes. I know that laugh anywhere. <laughs> See, she's, that's her amen. So, right now, what did Jesus say in the next verse? He said, Go and wash your face. Hmm. Wait a minute. Go to the pool of Salaam and wash your face. Go be sent and wash your face. Now, Jesus, you, you already created all that spit. Could you just put something on your gown there and just kind of your robe and just kind of wipe it off or get one of the sisters or something, that stuff they wash your feet in, that fresh water, and just throw it on his face? No. Sometimes you got to walk in public when your life appears or is perceived to still be a mess, but you know you've already experienced what a messy miracle. You're just waiting for your mess to manifest. Oh, come on. Let me say that again. Sometimes you got to walk with your mess, and it appears like that mess it's always been there and will be there without being able to reveal to people that have the wrong perception of you that God already do a, did a messy miracle and you're getting more and more of it as you go to where you are sent. Anybody sent in here? Remember 1 Timothy 2.9, whom he saved and called, not according to your own works, but according to a holy calling, uh, but to a holy calling, 
in the, uh, according to the purpose of God in Christ Jesus, what? Before time began. Before the time began, God knew you. That word before time, time there, that's root, not the word for chronos. That, that's segmental time, seconds, minutes, hours. That's charis time. And what is charis time? That's seasonal time. And in a season before you were ever born in man, God knew you. He designed you. He planned you. Hebrews 11.3 says that God framed the worlds through his faith. That word in the Greek frame means fit, finish, and fashion. Before time began, God not only knew you, he designed you, he planned you to rise up and frame the world. Ever how messy it looks like to everybody else, the more the mess, the more the bless on you, and the more you're sent to. Say, I am sent to bring a bless to a mess. Let me give you a little clue. If you've been like me in my pre-Jesus days, you will find out those things that you've been through become your ministry. Because you're going to be more passionate about what you've been set free from than anyone that could ever think about it, study, or read about it. You want to know what your calling is? Well, you've been healed of. You've been healed of cancer. You should lay hands on every cancer patient you see. You, you got free of addiction. You need to lay hands and pray and love and serve every addicted person you meet. Now, he told him to go wash since we don't have a creek nearby. Now, if we was back in eastern Kentucky, my cousin's house, they had a creek. That's where they went to wash up behind the house on the hill. That's real deal. Like 10, bro 10, 10 brothers and sisters lived with my mom and dad. And right across from grandma on the holler on the other side of the hill. Little old two-bedroom house with 10 kids. You never went hungry there because they just left all the food out on the table and covered it with a big sheet. When they got done eating, you just go flip the sheet up, eat you some more of them old dried out flat beans, throw a little water in them, didn't have a microwave. You think that's funny? That's real. They, they moved on up to the east side. They moved from eastern Kentucky to Columbus, and we went to visit. I thought, man, they got a, they got a four or five-bedroom house. This is awesome. They said, hey, let's go over in this room and play. I said, okay. Went in, opened the door. You about, the, the whole room was full halfway to two-thirds of Dirty clothes. So they wash them. They just pick them out and throw them on another kid, keep them, instead of pass them around. They just throw them in a room until they need them again. Now they wash some things, but there was a lot of things that just in that. We were there played all day in that big old, it's like a big old damn, uh, whatever you call it, thing you jump on with clothes. You'd hide down in it. Y'all have those fancy places where they got the little plastic balls and you dive down in them and hide, right? It probably had a little better odor than what we played in, but when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you don't know. But you know what's amazing? Every one of those kids ended up being saved. Every one of those kids became successful and did great things for God because they didn't care what the perception of their mess was because there was a miracle behind their mess. Oh, come on. So, Michael, here's the bowl. Let me, let me hold this bowl over here for you. Let me move this messy one, brother. He can't open his eyes yet. Here's your bowl, brother. And then in a minute, I'll give you the towel, but not yet. Just go on, get it all off there real good. Huh? Just bend down like that right there. There you go. I wouldn't let Jennifer up here. She'd hold you too long. Let me see how you're looking. Jesus, I bet Jesus looked too. Okay, got more on your forehead. Let's go get it all up there in your forehead and on those big old cheeks you got there. Yes, sir. 
Oh, man. Now, now, don't open your eyes, but here, take his towel. Don't open your eyes. Keep your eyes closed. Put your towel down. You can't open your eyes yet. I prophesy to you new things. Not new beginnings, because God's not having you start over. New, not new levels, because that's too slow. And not just a new realm, that's singular. But I prophesy to you new realms, plurally, that God is going to have you to affect and bring change to in business and in ministry and in life, says the Lord. Give God a shout of praise. Remember, what's being spoken into you, that's what I missed. What's being spoken into you is much more important than who speaks about you.